Welcome to Can I Speak to Your Product Manager? The nitty gritty with your favorite PMs. I'm Kyle Kolich, VP of Product at Zora. And I'm Lucas Weber, Director of Product Management at Zora. On today's episode, we have Samuel Srivastava, Director of Product Management on the AI platform team at Microsoft. And we're going to start off the show by getting to know our guest a bit through a little rapid fire game of Ship It or Skip It. What do you want to do? Let's do it. No. No. Maybe. Yes. This is a way for you to you know, get to know you better, to get some thoughts on how you would go to market with a product or an idea. We'll give you some examples and you can either say, you know, I want to, I, I agree with it. I agree with the, the model. So I will ship it. Or, yeah. you know what? I, I'm not ready for this one. Let's just skip it for now. So we we'll start the first one off. Now, I know you are a writer and you have that novel out there. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard, I've heard the ratings were really good. <laughs> ship it or skip it is writing another novel. Would you take a crack out of being a, another writer, an, another novel writer, and come up with a, a version two of the new book or a whole new no- novel? A ship it, yeah. Whole new novel altogether. Okay. You're going to come out with another book, maybe a tie-in for the roller coaster ride and see where the two lovebirds end up? Yeah, maybe, yes. <laughs> right. There is All another right. one That's... in progress right now, but it's not connected to the first one, but yes. Oh, okay. So there's a brand new, brand new novel, brand new story, yeah. but you'll continue your writing journey. That's great. Okay, yeah. the next one. So we are close to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is in two days. I am the, the turkey maker at the house and I have to make turkey in two days. But let me ask you a question. For turkey in general, would you ship it or skip it? I mean, certainly ship it. I think it, it's Turkey. Anytime I think about Turkey, it's all about belongingness, togetherness oh. with family and friends. That's how I see it. So yeah, I think the world needs that more than ever. I guess. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. I, I'm with you with with all that except for the turkey. I would I would ship the turkey. I find it too dry, <laughs> even though I try to cooking it 15 different ways. No matter how much gravy, it always comes up dry. Okay, third example. Office chairs. And I saw this on a video once. I think it was Nissan or one of the car manufacturers, but they had office chairs that follow you into meeting rooms and automatically park themselves to their desks. Ship it or skip it? Is that a, a trend that will catch on? Yeah, I think for now I'll probably skip it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Skip it for now. I think it's a little over the top. I thought it was a little over the top. It was kind of cool watching the, the chairs glide on the desk once the button was pushed, but. Maybe that's just the task we should keep on doing. Yeah, I think with the remote world we are all in, it's insult. Uh, right now, it's a question about the existential crisis of the current infrastructure. So investing more on it at this point of time, I think we have to wait for to how the remote work changes over the years. So, Got it. Got it. Makes sense. All right. All right. Lucas, you got one? You want to fire one out? Yeah, I was going to throw one out here. So going way back into your your history of doing amazing things, Samuel. I saw that at one point you actually worked on RFID tags. These are radio frequency identification devices that would be attached to products and they would help uh, people track these things through the supply chain. So do you think RFID tags will make a comeback? I think the technology has moved, has advanced so significantly that there is much better versions of RFID tags. Like means there will be some sort of tags for sure in supply chain, but would it be in the form of RFID? I think probably not. So, yeah. Okay, got it. So the concept of tracking goods through the supply yeah. chain, ship it. 
but the particular technology right. maybe for right. that tracking yeah eh, had its time mm. right. never really went anywhere skip right. cool right. all right so we're gonna switch over to pm power moves powering up power move these are the nitty-gritty day-to-day stuff and really wanted to get to get your take on what's currently happening for you in the world of and the world of pms at large so maybe you can just jump in and tell us what are you working on right now yeah so right now since i'm part of ai platform team i think one of the key problems that everyone in my team is trying to solve is how do we get best of the large language models on our platform because everyone in the tech world and even outside the tech world everyone wants to build that high efficiency and productivity applications and and everyone needs to rely on some sort of large language models, something built by Microsoft, OpenAI, or even open source. And so I think it's a, and with kind of every day, like so many new large language models are coming up. The biggest challenge for us is how do we cut through the noise and bring the best of the best for the customers on our platform? And I think Got that it. sort of resonates with the PM world in a way, like to your first part of your question, like what's changing in the PM world? Yep. I think it's always about, it's it's right now about, okay, how do I leverage generative AI in my world, right? How can I make that's my right. product better? So Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we're hearing that a lot, right, from uh, a lot of the guests that we've had recently, and I'm sure we'll hear a lot more of it. They're, they're all wrestling with AI and how to best engage it and use it in their products. Some have already used it for years and yeah. are, are very successful, right? Others are still figuring out where exactly it fits. Right. So in your particular case, because you're on the AI team at Microsoft, right? What are you working on? Yeah. So in, in my role, I think since it's a more of a platform role, so mm-hmm. within the platform, the goal is, okay, one is, okay, how do we, as I mentioned, bring the best LLM models on our platform? And even different models, like could be something on, let's say, Hugging Face. There are a lot of models that our our community is using it. How do we get them on our platform, right? So that's one part of it. The second part of it is, once the model is there, how do we enable our customers to quickly build the large language model applications in a very seamless way? Because there are so many steps involved in it. Like one is a model. The second is a fine tuning of those models. Second part is, okay, how do you orchestrate those models? How do you deploy it? in the seamless way. And in fact, the bigger challenge right now for, I think for the whole world is like, okay, which one should I choose? Means OpenAI model is like, do, do I need that kind of a large language model, which is trained at like 70 billion parameter or something which is trained at 3 billion parameter for my specific use case and domain, is that sufficient? And so, yeah, I think that's where we are working on providing those ingredients to our customers so that they can build a best quality, high quality LLM application in a seamless way. That's where my focus is. So. And how, how are some of the uh, tricks you're doing to guide those customers to know which one to pick? Do, is it more like trial and error or do you give them like a, you know, questions beforehand and kind of guides them or what are some of the tricks you do to, to help with that? Yeah. So right now we are actually relying a lot more on the community feedback itself because given the stage where the technology is, there are a lot of early adopters and evangelists and people who are trying these models on a daily basis and regular basis. And so there are leaderboards available in the open source, open source community, which provides rating for these models. 
and also talks about, okay, what is the use case for this specific model? What is the performance metric? So what we are trying to do is bring those voices onto the platform to create that transparency. And in addition to that, provide wherever possible a capability to benchmark different models for a specific use case so that customers can decide, okay, which one would work best in my scenario. Okay, that makes sense. So that benchmarking helps guide the customer. Yeah. You're getting kind of the, not the feel, but the kind of all the users, initial users, giving you initial right. feedback, guiding them that way, creating, it's almost like an organic approach, just getting right. it kind of organically growing into into the, right. the hearts and minds of customers. Okay. Right, absolutely. So well, based on your work so far, and I don't know if you can talk to this, but like just at a high level, in you know, do you have like examples for customers where, a large language model would make the most sense, like a very large one, like OpenAI versus one that's much smaller? Is it based on like the domain that, that the AI would need to work in? If the domain's very wide, then you want a bigger one and, you know, or more comprehensive. And if it's in a smaller domain, more constrained domain then a smaller one's more more appropriate. Do you have any sort of high-level guidelines like that that you see emerging from, from your work? I'll take an example of, let's say, healthcare. Right, in case of healthcare, the terminologies what we speak in English might mean very different when it comes to healthcare domain. And also the tone of a messages or how to interpret a specific message varies significantly when it comes to a healthcare domain. And any out of the box large language model, which is available, it's very hard to have a predictability around it that it will perform very well in a healthcare scenario, for example. Mm -hmm. And so that requires a custom data to be brought in and train them and you don't need like a very big large language model for that. There is recently I was reading about one healthcare large language model, which, which has been just trained on 3 billion parameters. Just 3 billion parameter, but performs significantly better than what's available on, let's say, even OpenAI. And so I think that's where the difference lies. So I think it's more scenario-based and domain-specific. You have to make those choices. And as we speak, the information right now is so limited on these because everyone is right now experimenting, testing for custom use case and scenarios. So largely we, re we are relying on papers, community feedback, as I mentioned at the beginning, to make those choices. So you're, na you're naturally it. seeing it kind of go with almost like a verticalization. Healthcare yeah. is one of them. Are you, are you yes. seeing kind of like even software as a service or, or mar uh, manufacturing too? Are you seeing those yeah. that kind of division based on kind of vertical? I definitely see that would happen. Right now it is happening specifically in those areas where security, privacy is the bigger concern like healthcare and financial services sector. But I think one year down the line, you would see that very models for a specific use cases would start emerging. And there will be like, everyone is going to rely on these open source models. Like let's say, for example, Meta has come up with Llama model, right? They're going to fork it, create a custom version for something which is very applicable for a very specific scenario and will become available for the wider community. Hmm. Makes sense. Can you speak about why, as you said, like healthcare, places where security and data privacy are important, why are those you know, things that people are working on specifically? Is it because, and, and maybe constraining the model allows you to be a little bit more careful about the results that are returned or are there other reasons for that concern? Or maybe there's, you know, significantly more demand there to to get questions answered, but those questions need to be, you know, obviously well protected and, and carefully yeah. screened to not disclose data, right, or information that would otherwise be private. Yeah, I think it's more about implication that can have, right? It means imagine you're working in a healthcare sector 
and a patient sends a communication and that communication goes to the large language model and it generates a response. But patient mm-hmm. interprets that in a very different way. The implication it could be like somebody missing an appointment and maybe leading to some serious health issues and whatnot, right? So you need to be extra careful in those scenarios. But for something as, as simple as, let's say, marketing, generating a marketing campaign, if it is not in healthcare industry, means that's very straightforward. Means if, what, what are the risk of using an AI end-to-end in that scenario? And even for customer service. And so customer service in case of, let's say, regular hardware support or IT support, or even within an employee support scenario, I think it's, that's very simple, low-risk scenario. But if you're trying to get a customer support for something, let's say, in the aerospace industry, where it could completely change the dynamic or the trajectory of the, how the plane is going to navigate, that's very high-risk scenario. So I think that's where the balance needs to happen. So it's getting adopted in a low-risk scenario because it's so early but people are bringing their own custom data and spending a lot of time in fine-tuning those existing models in order to apply in these high-risk scenarios step-by-step. Okay, makes sense. So as things evolve, obviously the benefits of AI and and putting these kinds of systems are are clearly understood, or at least the the opportunity is there. And so, but the problem is that one needs to be careful in these domains. And so the testing is starting early and folks are are starting with smaller models to constrain the, the response yeah. sets so that it's much more controlled. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Especially the, the, the patient one, that, that could be really tricky. You don't want to get like yeah. a, a wrong message saying, oh, you should do yeah. some bloodletting. Like, that was from the 18th yeah. century. Like, why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I need penicillin. <laughs> exactly. And if you guys yeah. have played around in your personal capacity with chat GPT, you would see that sometimes it starts hallucinating. And so in such scenarios, like unless you have tested it right, really end to end means it's, it's very, it's a big risk to put it in front of the customer. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I noticed that, especially if you do, if you have it write something for you, and you know, you don't read it <laughs> yeah. before you send it, you may want to yeah. read it and, and tweak it a little bit because it might be saying right. something that you're not intending, right? And that can lead to, to bad, bad things. I mean, you know, I think we all heard about that lawyer who I think he did a briefing with just, you know, I think it was just ChatGPT three, maybe four. I don't know what the latest version, but it, yeah. it was completely wrong, and it was making up. <laughs> Yeah. the cases and, and, the, and the judge threw them out because this is the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Exactly. And I think that's, that's where the fun part is. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was definitely generative, right. In yeah. a sense of yeah. new, new yeah. stuff that nobody's seen before. Anything else in this particular domain that you feel like uh, you're, you're wrestling with right now or something that would be helpful for, for PMs to consider as they play with AI? Yeah, I think one of the key things which is definitely changing apart from generation of models, as I talked about, means building an LLM application for experimentation is extremely easy. But when it comes to deploying something in production, there are so many things to think about. How are you going to evaluate your LLM application, right? Means just like you test your regular machine learning model. What are the metrics you need to consider? then how are you going to monitor on a regular basis? What about the compute resources? How are you going to optimize your cost? And so in order to support all of these, there are a lot of turnkey solutions that are coming up, which provides an end-to-end support, which is called as LLM ops in a way, just like machine learning ops before. And the second piece of that is you can imagine a world maybe two years later or three years later, it, it would be like there is one agent 
if we call it as let's say chat gpt talking to five different chat gpt if it cannot do the work it will delegate to the chat gpt's other chat gpt's to do the work and then ultimately there might be a human loop as well so if that if we move to that world which definitely would happen then you need and sort of a good orchestration tool to manage all of these rights to see where the bottleneck is who's what is performing well what is not performing well maybe in that entire sort of nodes of chat gpts one of them is not doing a good job because of which the entire user experience is changing so i think there is a rise of orchestration framework and rise of tools to manage that llm ops that's happening significantly so 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 i see so you're you're looking at where you know companies are going to start looking at multiple nodes of llm or or you know yeah. chat gpt and each one will have a certain specialty it's almost right. like you know, our support right. system, right? Where you have exactly, you know, like your your tier one support, tier two support, tier three yeah. support. Yeah. You're kind of bouncing around that, but as as anyone's gone through support, it can be very frustrating sometimes. Yeah. Where you just get the blanket answer, but how do you optimize each node? So you're right. probably not forcing the customer to go to all four or five, right. and then have a bad experience where they can hopefully get settled in the first one or two. So your their metric is probably more of keeping right. you know one and two optimized, and three or four kind of like that last stand type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now you think about those co-pilot announcements in Microsoft, right? If there is a co-pilot for customer service, there might be a co-pilot for HR, there might be a co-pilot for billing, there might be a co-pilot for finance. Now, if the customer service one, where, I mean, typically in a traditional world, like when a human is involved in a support interaction, they try to reach out to other humans for help. The same thing would be replaced by these co-pilots, like one co-pilot talking to another co-pilot and many other co-pilots to fulfill the need of what customer is asking for. So, That's fascinating. Honestly, as, as you talk about this kind of stuff, my mind's going into these kinds of places where, well, would we ever have multiple AIs voting and checking each other whether the answers are correct, right? Yeah. And potentially even voting for the best best answer and and of course that brings up like the minority report concept right so on and so on <laughs> it's just it can go into very very interesting places awesome absolutely uh, this is this is a fascinating area and i'm sure we'll see a lot of evolution come through us maybe even additional revolutions in this so fascinating time so well, i'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about kind of your your real specific story where uh-huh. you're inspiring others i think Looks like you have your own Instagram area, and I've you know looked at your LinkedIn, and you send a lot of inspirational stories. Can you tell us a little bit about you know that that work, which is a little bit different, right, than your professional, but it is all about product management and, and yeah. kind of stories in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, it's very much connected to product management. So, it means the my Instagram page is called as Good Vibes by Sam. And Sam is the name that I use mostly on these, I would say, social media pages. And so what I do in this Instagram page is essentially share some daily quotes, posts for personal growth, self-transformation, and ultimately living a happy life. And how all of that actually started was I, I was going through a very tough time personally and professionally. And there were a lot of people around me who had a lot of good things to say to inspire me and to have a positive mindset. And I was reading a lot of things. I was listening to a lot of videos. And I felt like all of those things were so helpful. It's not that those things I didn't know. But when you listen to those things coming from people that you can rely on or even you hear from some great speakers, it has a very different impact. And especially when you yourself are in the weeds, then it becomes very difficult to have a right perspective. 
And so I thought, yeah, it has been extremely helpful. Let me start something like that. And with that inspiration, I started a Instagram page where my only motivation is if I can help even a single individual in any given month, that's worth the effort. And I try to share anything around inspiration, motivation, time management, productivity hacks, many other such things. So, Awesome. What has been the reception in general? Do you find that people are finding you out? And- yeah. So organically, I've been able to build, it's a very small followers, but yeah, it's about roughly around 5,000 followers right now. I started about seven months ago. So it's, it's growing and every week, at least I get some one positive feedback from someone, which is really amazing to see when people are going through similar situations. Because at the end of the day, I think all of us, no matter what aspect of life we are in, we have similar challenges, similar questions, similar issues. And the solutions in more or, more or less in many cases are also similar. It's just that you need to discover the right thing at the right time. And so, yeah, it has been very rewarding to do that. And it has become a sort of an integral part of my daily routine. So now. Excellent. Excellent. I think it's, I think it's great. I, was have, I'm not have, I wasn't having a great day today, but I did watch <laughs> you dance in Target. And that definitely felt me. I felt inspired from that. So I appreciate the, the, little, the little jig he did. Very good dancing. Put, me, put a smile yeah. on my face. Yeah. I did that for my five-year-old. But yes, I keep doing such random stuff. So yes. So yeah, I guess the final is like, what's your, you know, your final thoughts, any, any insight you have for, for PMs out there? I mean, one of the things that I learned from using a lot of the, the, you know, the open AI framework and a lot of the technology out there for AI is that, you know, especially when I'm using prompt for, for working with ideas on what, you know, the next product should be using it to bounce yeah. ideas off it and iterate with it. Almost like you're, you know, it's like a co-pilot, like co-founder, co, right. co, right. you know, worker where you can, yeah you can use it to iterate and talk through ideas and to kind of flush out things that, you know, it's still kind of formed in your head, but, you know, having that conversation with someone else, give you feedback is is pretty, I've, I've been using it very, very, in a very helpful way to get to that. Do you have anything like that for PMs to how they can use that in the new technology? Oh, no, absolutely. I think as you rightly said, right. Which is think of that as your co-pilot and think of you as a sounding box. And even if, means you would be surprised like at all stages of PM lifecycle, it can help. Whether it's mm-hmm. about, okay, I, I had this X conversation with my manager. I don't know what to do about it, right? Means keep things anonymous for sure. Means do not explicitly tell about the company and everything because all yeah. data is actually going in that shared resource. But yeah, talk about those things. Means talk about, I just joined the company. For example, I'll share, like I just, when I joined the company, I was thinking, okay, what should be my 30-day strategy in order to seed myself in the team? Like, what should I do? And OpenAI, uh, the ChatGPT created an awesome plan around that, right? And it, as you said about brainstorming ideas, like when you're thinking about something which you don't even understand, like when I joined the team, mm-hmm. a lot of these terminologies around Llama, Langchain, Semantic Kernel, everything was Hebrew for me. I had zero idea what was happening. OpenAI's and ChatGPT accelerated my learning significantly when people were busy with their work and in conferences and you cannot connect with them. This is your best bet. Use it as a tutor. Accelerate your learning. What you will accomplish by yourself in one week, probably you can do that in a day with the help of ChatGPT. So there are tons of scenarios, honestly. So 
It's great. Yeah. Uh, now that I that you say, you know, there are a number of terms or acronyms that that people throw at me all the time. There are domains <laughs> that I'm not particularly familiar with, and I think you're suggesting that look, use the tool to both as a research. As yeah. At least initial research, obviously verify, right, yeah. what comes back. But initial research and or brainstorming, yeah. which is a really great idea. Perfect. All right. And then any inspirational quote from from your findings that you find particularly resonates with you that you shared with, with others or maybe haven't shared yet that you want to leave us with? I don't remember the book name right now, but there is a obstacle is the way. It means way to new opportunities, essentially. I think that has been, I would say, in the last two years always behind my back. Anytime there is an obstacle, just change your perspective around it. Don't see that as a way that, oh my God, why it is happening to me? When, how will I solve it or get anxious about it? In fact, think it in a very different way, which is if there is an obstacle, that means there is a good opportunity waiting for you on the other side. And so obstacle is the way essentially uh, to move mm -hmm. forward. So I think that is the code that really resonates with me significantly. And in the PM world, I've seen like the PMs who really rise and prosper are those who are like a problem solvers. I mean, no, no organization is perfect. No teams are perfect. I mean, there are always going to be things that you believe that should have been done and it's not done. Yep. So, but how can you have that hat of, first of all, questioning the default and then having that problem solver mindset? Everyone wants such kind of a PM in the team, so. Mm -hmm. No, no, I agree. I mean, questioning the status quo, right? If somebody tells you because we've always done it that way, that's that's kind of should be an immediate red flag that perhaps it's worth poking at why, right? <laughs> Making yeah. sure that makes sense. That all is is very, very, very wise. Excellent. Well, someone, thank you very much. This was fantastic. Thanks for being here and sharing with us your experiences with, with AI and in the PM, PM world at large. And well, hopefully we'll talk to you soon as AI evolves here. We'll <laughs> look forward to getting more insights from you as we go. Thank you for having me. That was great talking to both of you. Uh, thanks, Omar. Appreciate it. Thank you. I thought that was a great conversation with Salmo. I think, you know, I was kind of hoping I can get him to to get a little more insight of what's going on, but I, I know it's a moving target and every hour it seems like the update on what's going with OpenAI is changing at the minute, but it, it've been kind of kind of seated on the ground floor, but that's okay. But we did get a lot of good information from him. I did like where he was talking about how security and privacy is kind of gravitating towards some of these large language models, especially that healthcare vertical, and it does seem like there's a trend that, you know, those are going to become more you know, verticalized or specialized. I think that's where he talked about, and I thought that was interesting with the the customer su success or service model, where you're going to have these different, you know, agents or nodes, and each one will be their own kind of specialist. And they'll all be kind of working together. Yeah, or expert, right? Yep. Yeah, kind of working it to solve solve the problem. And then just from a PM standpoint, I mean, you know, he's right. The, you know, the, the, the strong PMs are the good problem solvers. And that's why we get into this business is how do you, you know, solve, you know, complex problems at scale with technologies. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a good, good definition of a product manager. But what do you think of the conversation? Yeah, no, I, look, it's, it's amazing to, to be able to chat with somebody, you know, no pun intended, right? Who's in AI. And, um, and of course, Sam is also quite inspirational. If you do take a look at some of the items that he's posting, it's a lot of, you know, kind of pithy sayings and how mm -hmm. to find balance in, in work and life and so on. So it's kind of interesting and I think worthwhile perusing. The fact that 
it's you can clearly see that the field is currently in an exploration phase, right? Where everybody's launching large language models. There's a lot of different things that people are trying out. There's it's interesting when we ask someone for direction, right? And and kind of advice as to what to try. And the answer was, well, we we just don't know yet, right? Like literally what we're trying to do is bring the folks that are involved in in these in training these LMs and setting them up, right, to actually comment and provide information about you know, how they used it, where it was successful. So it's more of a instance by instance right. advice and not a generalized advice yet. So we're just not there yet. And and mm-hmm. this field is very rapidly evolving. So that was my takeaway kind of critically there. And I did like kind of going into the details of, you know, why would security or privacy be a, a major concern in an area of research right now? And it just feels like there's a lot of potential there, but also uh, because of the potential implications, liabilities, and things like that. The testing starts now. It might last a lot longer than, yeah. as Samuel pointed out, you know, marketing systems. So I think that, that, was, that was very valuable. And I do find that, you know, ultimately, when he says uh, th- that book about obstacles, the way it's, it's an interesting way to, to say it. Obviously, not every obstacle is the way. There are certainly some obstacles like walls that you probably should just leave alone. <laughs> but organizationally speaking, <laughs> if, there's, if there is some organizational pushback against something, it is definitely worth exploring and double clicking into it to see, you know, what's the real reason for it? Is there something that people have just never really wanted to invest in, but might be a point of breakthrough. And I think particularly for a product manager, when there are enhancements required for a product or potentially an, an opportunity area that company has traditionally shied away from, that would be a great place to see if if it's a worthwhile investment to go there and really open up a new market vertical, whatever it may be, to invest in and, and really prosper. That's where a lot of the breakthroughs come come out of it, right? That yeah. you get those, yeah. you know, you get, like I think you made that comment about this is how it's always been done. And then they go, that's, well, there's a reason why your company is staying at a 10% growth or 30% growth. So maybe it's time to explore a different option or a different way of doing things. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, all right. Well, those are our takeaways. Thank you, Kyle, for, for that. That was awesome. For our listeners, be sure to hit that subscribe button and tune in to the next episode of Can I Speak to Your Product Manager?